So What is a podcast from The Gathering at Crossings Community Church. This podcast exists to help young adults navigate real life and cultural topics in light of what the Bible says. The Gathering meets weekly on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. at Crossings Community Church. It is a place for young adults in their 20s and 30s to belong and be known and become like Christ. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Uh-huh. Okay, clap again. Okay, hey guys, welcome to So What. Uh, my name is Paige. I'm Oakley. And I'm Andy. And we're the young adult staff at Crossings Community Church. Um, and I have a question for you guys today before we get into it. What is a basic skill that you just learned way too late in life? A little embarrassing to admit. Me personally, you guys just learned before we talked about this, drinking out of cups. <laughs> Had to have children's cups until like the age of nine because I would just spill them everywhere. And I still do. Every so. other day, I think Paige spills her coffee. So I spilled maybe, it maybe right before be this. Christmas gift for Gil- sure. <laughs> adult sippy cup. <laughs> the thing is, I would it. use it every day. Like you'd say it as a joke, but I would use it. Man, I don't know. I remember when I got to college, um, I did not know how to do laundry. Oh. Like not, I didn't know anything. I didn't know that you were, that people would split, you know, darks and lights. I didn't know how much, you know, where to put the detergent. So I had to call my mom my freshman year. I feel like this is more of a failure on my parents' part than mine. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, yeah, it took me a long time to figure out, like, I feel confident doing my own laundry. <laughs> I was I was in in college when that happened. Oh, that is my brother. We just moved him into college, and bless his soul. I hope he's doing well. <laughs> I hope he's doing well. Mine, I, so growing up, we didn't buy um, any sort of, like, frozen pizzas, ramen, pizza roll. Like, we just didn't have that at our house. You guys just really healthy? Like, are we I don't doing, know. Like, yeah, my, my mom's snack of choice for us was raisins, like a little box of raisins. Oh, you were that yeah, family. I know. That's we were that tough. family. That's no one wanted to go <laughs> no. to your house for okay, snacks. Okay, I'm going to bring snacks, everyone. No, that's really okay. <laughs> we're good. We got it. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> so I remember my senior year, I went to my friend's house. I mean, I was about to graduate high school. And she was like, hey, go throw these pizza rolls in. Like, we're going to go downstairs. Just, like, meet us down there. And I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and so I go and I put them in the microwave on a plate. No. And I used the toaster oven time on the microwave. So I think I put oh, them in there for like 13 minutes. My <laughs> and we go downstairs to my friend's basement and we're all sitting down there and, I, and like 20 minutes go by. I'm like, oh man, pizza rolls. I got to go get them. Did no and one, I like, walk wonder upstairs. where they were? I mean, it is a cloud of black smoke over her entire kitchen. We had to open those windows and those doors <laughs> probably for days at my friend's house. They just kept smelling smoke. And you didn't I, hear like small bombs going off in the <laughs> microwave? We were downstairs, doors <laughs> oh closed. And I pulled the plate out of the microwave and it's just a plate of Dark ash. I'm not even kidding. There weren't even pizza rolls left. It was literally ash. Like, it could have been a lot worse, I think. Oh my but, gosh. anyways, that's good. Still that's not good. entirely confident on how to make pizza rolls. <laughs> mm, you know, that's just it's tough. It's yeah. Okay. I mean, all the foods know how to make. That's so, okay. You don't really need them. Throwing ourselves under the bus this morning. We're really good at adulting. We're doing really well. We're, we're getting better. We're getting better. <laughs> Lord, grace abounds, you know. Um, but kind of going off of that. We're talking as a staff about what we want to do on this podcast and kind of our heart behind it. Something that kept coming up um, was just things that we think we ought to know but that we don't yet um, or things that we feel like we should have a better understanding of that we don't. And so we wanted to kind of have some time and have um, some topics where we just go back to the basics of our faith and back to the basics of things that we probably have heard about in church or terms that we've heard, but we maybe don't know a lot about them or we don't know how to articulate them. We just kind of throw them around, kind of like how Andy uses the word yeet. Very similar to that. <laughs> just going to yeet everything. Nope. <laughs> so kind of going off well, that. I, I think about it like from the standpoint of like, I know for me, my ego gets in the way. Yeah. It's like I've been around for so long that like I don't want people to know that maybe I don't know. And so I just kind of play along and just 
let everyone's assumptions that I know carry the day. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I think it's exciting. I'm excited for this. It's just because these are just some of the things that maybe we know or maybe we're just we don't want to ask because we don't want to look like we don't know. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was me for a long yeah. time because I grew up in church and so I grew mm-hmm. up hearing all the things. So I was like, okay, I should know how to do these things. Or I should know how to articulate it by now. And then you reach a point where you're like, is it too late to ask? And so we're here to tell you, no, it is not too late to ask. We're going to ask. Here we go. And we're going to ask all the questions <clears throat> and we're just going to dive in. So today, starting off strong with what is the gospel? And so do one of you guys want to start off with just a definition of kind of what the gospel is? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll go. I'll jump in. Big I, question. This is, I mean, it's the big question. It's the question. It's why we do everything that we do as Christians, right? Like it starts with this. And so we we need to understand what the gospel is. And and maybe to, to back up a little bit, there, there are multiple things we could talk about the gospel, it, not to be confused with the gospels. Of The gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. And I remember there was a certain point in my life where I was like, wait, what? Those, oh, I thought the gospel was the gospels. And so there's some confusing things, but here, here's here's the the definition that I think most resonates with me. That's simple, it's clear, and then we can have a discussion off of that. It's this: the gospel is the good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ in His death and resurrection to redeem His people for Himself and for His glory. I love it because it's simple. It's I mean, it is a complicated, and we're gonna have a big, robust conversation, but simplified. That's the gospel when it comes to the idea of what does someone need to know, believe, know or believe to be saved? It's that. It's the good news of God and what he has done in Jesus in his death and resurrection to redeem his people for himself and for his glory. Mm -hmm. And what I love too about that definition is it puts things into the right perspective for God's role in everything Mm -hmm. versus our role um, and how we receive this good news. You know, so much this definition is what God has done through Christ Jesus in him dying and raising again. And we are just called in to receive that. You know, I think oftentimes because of the world we live in and, and the culture that we're immersed in, it can be really easy to start to either complicate or add on to the simplicity of what you just described as the gospel message. Um, you know, I was thinking through some things in prep for this message and it's like, all right, If we need to get back to the basis of what the gospel is, it means at some point we've started to believe things that the gospel is not. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's Jesus maybe and the works that I can do or the things. It's not even on purpose. Right. We just kind of we kind of drift. Right. And so it's like, okay, Jesus and the things I can do to earn salvation. Jesus and sinning less. You know, I'm I'm better than this person over there, so I'm probably doing okay. I I go to church enough, or uh, I serve in my community this much, and so I'm doing okay. Um, you know, Jesus and giving most of my life over to him and, and kind of holding on to these other parts of my life that I want to keep to myself. And so we, we complicate it. And, and I don't think that we can or we are allowing ourselves to embrace this is all that God has done. We're called in to receive that. And yes, there's a response then when we receive it. But let's start from the beginning by not at all complicating the simplicity of this good news. Yeah. Like it is God in his sacrificial love sent Jesus to live the life that we couldn't live, die the death that we deserve to die, and then be raised again, defeat death once and for all. And now it's just an offering that we get to walk yeah. into and accept. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I like about this definition is it's void of us, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Because as a pastor over the years, when I talk to people, and when I say, hey, tell me about your faith, oftentimes, if not almost every time, especially if they've grown up in the church, um, it always starts with, well, I grew up in a Christian home. Well, I have been going to church my whole life. Well, I, 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 and this definition is, no, no, he has done it all. It is God's work 
on our behalf. Mm -hmm. It is Jesus who did uh, the the work of of our salvation, not like you were saying, Oakley, Jesus plus my good behavior, my church attendance, my lack Mm -hmm. of sin. So I think that's a good distinction to make. I think so too. Mm -hmm. Something that I want to know is just kind of why do you guys think we're so quick to accept those false gospels? Because if the gospel is easier and more simple, why do you think that we as people are so quick to run to the Jesus and, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I, I got, I know what it is for me, and right, I don't want to yeah. cast it on everybody. Yeah. It's, I want control. Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah. want to be in charge of everything. I want to be God. And the idea that there, my salvation is not based on anything that I can do is unsettling to my pride and my ego. Like, I want to be able to, I want to be a good Christian. I want to be I want to do the list. I don't want it because that way I get the glory. And so I know for me growing up, it was that, well, yeah, I need Jesus, but really I'm so good. I can be so good. Jesus really needs me on his team. Like I was just, I was such an arrogant. I'm MVP of Christianity. Oh my gosh. Um, But I think that's for me. I I think we want to be involved more than than we are. Like I I don't know who said it, but I, I remember when I was in college, I read, either read a book or heard a, a message from a pastor that said, our role in our salvation is that we sinned. That's mm-hmm. our role. Like, that's what we did. Everything else God has done, all the verses that we're about to go through is God's, God initiated. God did it. And so, I don't know. I guess I would answer it, and I'd be interested to what you think. But I just think mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of ego. It's just I want to be in control. Mm-hmm. And it's unsettling to just to know, like, we don't live in that world. We live in a world that is very merit-based. Everything we do from school to relationships to job is merit-based. Are you doing good enough? And the gospel is not that. And so I think we're in a a tough place of tension there. Well, that's exactly what I was going to echo. You know, I I know that for me, whenever I'm tempted to pick something else on and tack it on at the end of what Jesus has done, it's because from an early age— I and probably all of us at this table are taught, well, A plus B equals C. You know, there's there's something that's going to happen here that's going to cause a reaction and there's a consequence for whatever else you're producing. You know, we're, we're results-driven society. We're merit-based-driven, like you said. And so I think to myself, you know, okay, I've accepted Christ at a very early age. Well, the assumption can easily be now I'm supposed to live a life that's um, free of sin, that's free of struggle. And when those things come up, when I feel like I fall short of, what I'm called into is in a life with Christ, then it's like, okay, well, I need to do these other things then to yeah, kind of cancel yeah. that out, to become good enough again, to get back to where I was. And uh, and yeah, probably a control, probably, a, I mean, I think everything is just rooted in pride. We can look back at all of these different <laughs> ways that we we want to tack on things, the gospel, and at, at the root of it is there's pride in my heart that I think that the cross of Jesus is not big enough to cover my sins, past, present, and future. And so yeah. I have to do something mm-hmm. else to have right standing before the Lord. And, and we can just easily fall into that, you know, even in the ways we sometimes even talk within the church. I think subconsciously we're kind of fueling that message um, instead of getting to find freedom and rest in the grace of Jesus. Um, so, yeah. I, I think it might also play into just an, an American mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, our— our country was kind of built on this idea of like, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, work hard, be good, be better, be the best. Mm-hmm. And the gospel just kind of flies in the face of that is that, hey, we have a problem that we cannot fix and we need something outside of ourselves to do the work for us. And I think as an American, that just really doesn't settle well. 
Mm-hmm. Like we like to be independent. We like to be in, in, in control, independent, whatever. And so I think they're, we're quick to add things on Jesus works, Jesus plus church, Jesus plus good behavior, Jesus plus knowledge, Jesus plus whatever. And then because we're more involved, it makes us feel like, hey, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Yeah, I think that's good. You hit on something too in that that I really liked, and it was just we have this need to be good enough, which kind of leads us into our next question of why do we need the gospel? Because I think to understand that, we first really need to understand kind of where we came from, what we're being saved from. Well, and if our definition is the good news of what God has done in Jesus— right, in his death and resurrection to redeem his people for himself and for his glory, the first thing in that definition is the good news. Well, it's not good news unless there is also bad news. And I think that's the, the what you're asking is like, why do we need it? Well, there's bad news. There's bad news is that we are in need. Like we have a problem. The problem is called sin. Um, you know, I, I do think if, if there is one thing that wherever you are in the world, whatever political side you're on, whatever ideology side you're on, I think we can all agree that the world is not as it should be, mm-hmm. that we live in a broken world full of pain and suffering, um, hatred, all the things, right? And it points to like, things are not as they should be. I think everyone can agree on that. I think everybody's worldview is trying to fix that problem. And so I do think that that's one thing we can agree on, that we're horribly broken, and that's why we need the gospel, because we can't fix it. I mean, look at all of human history. We've tried and we've tried it. Technology doesn't fix it. You know, everyone, um, it just didn't work. And Romans 3.23 is kind of Paul's one-line explanation. He says this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, God's standard, God's righteous standard. And so that's why we need the gospel. We've fallen short. Everyone has. There's nobody that has not fallen short outside of Christ. And so um, Romans 8.23 it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So the wages, like what we earn because of our sin, right? A wage is something you earn. For the wages of sin is what? Death. And is this, what we're talking about is e- eternal death. It's not a, hey, you sin and you drop dead. Because we know that's not true. And so what he's talking about here is this spiritual, because he's talking about eternal life later in, in that verse. So this is an eternal death, an eternal separation from God. And we see this. Um, all like this is a theme all the way through the, the, the whole Bible. We see this from the very beginning with Adam and Eve, right? They sinned. What did God have to do? You can no longer be in the garden with me. Mm-hmm. I am holy. I am righteous. I am perfectly. Um, and so he cannot be with sin. And so the wages of sin is death, separation from God. Um, and so that's why we need the gospel is because we need a redeemer to bring us back into a right relationship with God and short of Christ, we can't do that. I love to, you know, when you look at the narrative of the entirety of scripture, you know, all of the Bible complements itself at all points to mm-hmm. Jesus. This was God's plan from the beginning of time. You know, the very first couple of chapters of the Bible, what you just referenced, Adam and Eve sin, they fall short of the perfection of the holiness of God. And so therefore now have this separation from God. And, uh, you know, we look back at the Old Testament and there are some unique practices that kind of seem foreign to us now, but it all points to this idea of a redeemer. We need redemption for the sins that we have uh, walked in. And so in the Old Testament, what that looked like is, you know, we would, people would sin, a nation would sin, a person would sin, and there had to be some sort of sacrifice to redeem and wash over that sin, that blood, or that, that sin. And so what that was is, 
blood sacrifice of animals, blood sacrifice of um, a pure uh, goat, ox, whatever the case may be, so that something had to be killed, something had to die in order to take place and take atonement for the sin of people. Now, to us present-day Americans, that kind of sounds a little bit bizarre to think about that practice, uh, but that was just normal. That was what was uh, was common in the Old Testament. And in comes, you know, there, there's a point in time in the book of Exodus where God gives Moses a law, basically a standard that his people should live in. And if they are to break that law, they are sinning against the Lord. But what's unique about this law is that there was never a way that people could keep it perfectly. Mm-hmm. When we, you know, at the beginning of time, when we have stepped into sin, we now are infected from the inside out. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And so therefore, there's no way that anything that God speaks that's holy and perfect and right is something that we can live in perfectly on our own. Uh, and, and, and that's what we're setting the scene at right here. You know, on our own, there's just no way that we can ever come before the Lord right um, and holy. And well, so I think this, really quick, I, yeah. I, I, that, that theme for me, again, I, like I, I'm thinking through a lot of things right now, just in our ministry, in, in church, I'm just like, what do we assume people know? that maybe we don't know, right? And mm-hmm. there's things that, and I remember one of the things that I think um, I assumed growing up or people assumed about me is that I knew the whole story of scripture and that there is a theme that is mm-hmm. not just these little VBS stories that you pluck out for a good moral lesson, mm-hmm. that the theme is redemption. Mm-hmm. And you see in the garden with Adam and Eve is that even though they were separated from God because of their sin, on the way out, it says God gave them a covering, right? He made them close out of animals, and so from the very get-go, there is a blood sacrifice to cover their nakedness, right? Their um, symbolic sin of being naked. Like they're like, they were naked and they're like, oh my gosh, what happened, right? And so even from the very get-go, we see God covering the sin through the, the, the death and the blood of an animal. And so we see that. Like from, the, from day one, uh, right out the gate, is that God is about um, the atoning of sin, Mm-hmm. And it requires a blood sacrifice. So sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's, I, I just, mean, that's. For me, that was just a really big thing of realizing these are not just good moral stories. There is a thread of redemption and God's plan to redeem his people from the very beginning all the way through. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think what where that starts to uh, fall short is that that would be an ongoing process. If we were to mm-hmm. still live in that mindset underneath that law, we would still have to be having these animal sacrifices or or having some sort of blood shed to cover the sins that we are still living in. We'd have a lot of sheep in our backyard. A lot of sheep in our backyard. <laughs> or you goats. Know? I wouldn't mean my lawnmower anymore, but Right, right. It's we're never gonna get to a place where it's like, okay, we've passed that now. We're good enough now in front of yeah. the Lord. No, it's it's we're still sinful people. And yeah. so really just kind of hammering in that message that we're dead. We're broken. We are hopeless without some sort of sacrifice. And what God has planned Um, And we see glimpses of that all through the Old Testament is that there was a need for this perfect sacrifice, this once and for all sacrifice to come and be this perfect lamb, this perfect blood that was shed on behalf of God's people. Um, And ultimately, the only way that that was going to be made possible is if God limits himself to become man um, and to give his life over as the perfect sacrifice for his people. And that's what we see in the gospel message of Jesus. You know, this 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 Savior coming into the picture 
and then dying willingly on behalf yeah. of us uh, for our sins, for the sins of all past, present, and then all of us now in the future, 2,000 years mm-hmm. later, this sacrifice was a once and for all. You know, I, I would encourage you, go look at Hebrews chapters 9 and 10. Um, it's it's beautiful language to kind of describe this way better than I'm describing it, but to describe the need of why there needed to be bloodshed and then ultimately how Jesus was perfect in that blood mm-hmm. that was shed, you yeah. know, and and filled that plan perfectly that God had set in place from the beginning of time. Well, and you mentioned the, the phrase, the Lamb of God. And we're answering the question, why do we need the gospel? Mm-hmm. Because we have a broken relationship with God. And God's way of redeeming that is through sacrifice. Back in the Old Testament, we see that, that atoning of sin through the sacrifice of goats, lambs, whatever. And the most quoted, um, I'm pretty sure it's it's the most quoted Old Testament, New New Testament reference is the Exodus. Mm -hmm. And we see this, and we we celebrate this at Easter. Like this is is the whole Passover idea. And in Exodus 12, God gives... um, the Israelites who are enslaved uh, in, in Egypt, he says, listen, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to judge. I'm going to bring down judgment on the Egyptians. And so here's what you are to do as my people. He says, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt. God says, I will pass through Egypt, and I will strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. He says, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when you see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And that blood, he said, it needs to be a one-year-old male lamb that is unblemished. He said, take that lamb and take its blood and put it over your doorpost. And he says, when I see the blood of the lamb, I will pass my judgment over. And so we see that in Christ that he is the perfect lamb. That's when John the Baptist says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, Mm -hmm. sin has been defeated and forgiven and redeemed through one man, Jesus. And so we are made right um, with God through the blood of Christ, not because God's this mean dad, it's because he is a God who loves his creation loves his people and wants to redeem them. Uh, Romans 8, 25, 26, Paul writes, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness, not ours, not Andy's. <laughs> like a, That'd be tough for 15-year-old Andy to hear, right? <laughs> he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because of his forbearance, his patience, that he had left the sins committed before and unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that's why we need the gospel is because we are utterly broken and separated from God without it. And there is no reconciliation without the gospel. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, something that I think was hard for me to grasp while I was that Jesus took away like the sins of the whole world for all time. And something I don't know really made it click with me was when um, Terry last year was talking about Yom Kippur, which is when Terry fakes our executive Terry fakes. Yes. Uh, Which is a great sermon. Go listen to it. It's on our website, but basically he was describing it. And there was a day after um, God led the Israelites out of Egypt, gave them the law and they said that Israel had a sin problem. And so there was one day a year where the high priest would take a lamb or take a goat and would put all the sins of the people on that goat. 
and would send it out into the society, taking the people's sins away. And scapegoat. So, scapegoat, exactly. That's scapegoat where the term scapegoat came from. Came from. Yeah. And so I think for me, like it really clicked like, okay, like the sins of all people were put on Jesus in the exact mm-hmm. same manner. And he, he was sent away from the Lord to make an atonement for our sins in that way. And I think that's just a really neat parallel and a reminder and a, another reminder that like the Lord's redemptive thread all throughout scripture is continuous. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is really cool. And so... Kind of going, that's the bad news and the good news. Let's get back to the good Let's get news. back to the good news. <laughs> and so we talked a lot about the Old Testament and kind of sacrifice and what that looks like. But what does it look like for us as Christians in this day and age, walking forward, walking in that redemption and accepting um, the gospel and accepting grace? Like what does it look like for us now? Well, a big thing that I, I definitely just want to reiterate, I know we've we've touched on and we've talked about um, but I guess this is leading us back to the good news. You know, yep. we have the Savior that's come and that's died for the sins of the people. But we know that's not the end of the story either. You know, mm-hmm. the the exciting part of this story is that while God willingly submits himself to death, he also defeats death completely by coming back and raising again uh, to show death, you don't have power over me. And then ultimately he's offering us into that same hope and that same power. Yeah, just talking about the death of Christ is half the story. Half the story, half absolutely. Because if he doesn't raise from the dead— He's just another dead guy. Yeah, yeah, right. What does that, you know, what does that mean for us now if he was still dead? You know, do we have the Savior that we can put our hope and trust in? Not really. But knowing that he's come back, yeah. he's defeated death. And so we have a Savior that not only died for us, but lives again to intercede for us, to have relationship with us, and then to come back for his people once again someday. We know that's a promise. Uh, and so I think that's something that, that we cannot overlook mm-hmm. ever this resurrection piece of Jesus. Um, that because this gospel message is now complete through Jesus raising again, what he offers us is just to come and to receive that, to come and to walk into that power of the resurrection. Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're saying, I declare that Jesus is who God says that he is, that he has come and he's done all the things that he said that he did. And if you believe in your heart that God now has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. There's no if, ands, buts about that. That is the simple message. That is the gospel that we now get to put our entire hope and trust in. And man, that's such good news. Like yes. that is good news. Yes. Great news. You know, a super popular verse, John three sixteen, and we'll read through verse 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but also have eternal life like Jesus has. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn, but he sent his son to save. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Um, and whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So that's it. You know, That's now what yeah. we get to embrace as God's children is if we are to say, I believe Jesus is who he says he is. And I believe that he's come and died for me knowing I couldn't, do enough on my own, and now he's raised again to defeat death, then we have our eternity secured with him. Well, and then in, in all those verses, and almost every verse you see about the gospel, you see the word believe, mm-hmm. right? If, 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 if you confess, uh, if you believe, what is it, Romans 10, 9, is if you uh, believe in your heart, right? And so that word believe, in John three sixteen, we see the same thing in 17, that word believe does not mean like a wishing. Like, I, I just believe it's going to happen, right? It's <laughs> it's a putting your trust and confidence in, all right? And like, uh, there's a, there's an author and a philosopher that is no longer with us named Dallas Willard. He's got, his definitions of biblical ideas are fantastic. 
This is his definition of belief. He said, belief is the readiness to act as if you what you believe is true. I love how he brings action into belief. Yeah. It is not just a passive, well, yeah, I believe Jesus died for my sins. No, it is a belief that leads to an action. He says, you believe something when your whole being is ready to act as if something is so. And I think that is a huge delineation that we need to make is like, all right, even the demons believe, <clears throat> but they don't have their confidence in Jesus. They don't act according to Jesus. Even like James says, even the demons believe and they shudder. And so what's the difference between a Christian and a demon is not a head knowledge. It is a, I'm going to act on my belief in obedience and submission to Christ. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, mm-hmm. I always think about it like the gospel is like a, a Christmas present under the tree that God has given us, but we need to receive the gift. We need to open it and own it. Uh, just because the gospel is there does not mean everyone is saved. God died for, Jesus died for for all, but there is a response that is required. Mm. Will you be reconciled to God? And what that requires is Jesus being your Lord and Savior, that you would believe so much that you would act, mm. not mm. just attend, not just know, but it needs to move from here to here. It's, it's that confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. So I just well, love that definition of belief. And when that happens too, it reconciles our relationship with the Lord, which is one of our biggest sin issues is that separation mm-hmm. and that lack of ability to have a relationship. And so that is the other good news in the gospel is through Jesus's death and payment for our sins, we now can be united with the Lord in relationship with him, which is yeah. also just really good news. So what do we do with this? Man. Ephesians 2.10. We, we live as if it's true, right? Like, mm-hmm. like if, if the gospel is good news, like, I don't know who in the world would say, well, that's good news. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to rebel every chance I get to the good news. Like, if it's good news, right, we live as though we believe it, that Jesus has done something for us that we do not deserve. And so I think the, the baseline for the Christian should be joy. I'm not saying we need to walk around happy, but it needs to be joyful, a joyful hope that, you know what, this life is not the end, that my perfection is not what is the pressure on me, that, yes, there is forgiveness and there is a transformational process as a Christian that says, God says, I will never leave you, right? And the Holy Spirit is with us to now, the churchy word would be sanctify us, that we would now grow and mature in our knowledge and belief in Jesus. Yeah, Ephesians 2, 1, 7 says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, Right, that's who we were, in which you used to live. So we lived a certain way when we were dead, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is in, uh, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse three says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, there's the good news, right? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might uh, show us the, the the good news of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a... All right, you were dead. Now you're alive. Live like your life. Mm-hmm. Live as though the gospel is true um, in how we act, think, speak, how we ask for forgiveness, how we deal with conflict, how we handle 
discomfort. And, and so, yeah, so what we do, we live as if the gospel is true. Awesome. Boom. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Um, we're excited to just kind of keep going through this and just keep going through the basics with you guys. And we hope you have a good week.